Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a time to rejoice. It's a time to rejoice. You know, on, um, let me go ahead and I start off with a prayer. Lord, we're just so thankful for your grace and your mercy. We're thankful for your provision. We're thankful that we're covered by the blood and that we are citizens of your kingdom and we have the power and the authority that you've given us. And Father, just show us how to walk in that anointing you've given each and every one of us to be children in your gracious, wonderful kingdom. In the name of Jesus. And on Sunday, I was you know, teaching Sunday school when we was covering some of the parables in, in Luke 15. And um, I just kept studying a little bit more about, about those parables. And so I thought, well, hey, I'll go into more depth tonight. And the, the one I want to go into more depth about is the particle sun. But I want to point out a few, a few things and do, do a little review. Review is good. It's good to hear things over and over again. You know, the word is alive, which means it's growing. And so as we read the word, we can grow and we can glean more out of it. The word has abundance, and we need to look for the abundance. And so I want to encourage everyone, as you read the stories in the Bible, don't just say, oh, I read they've done that. When you read it, ask the Lord, Lord, give me revelation. Help me, help me get a, something more out of this, because I know, God, you're a God of abundance. He's a God of abundance. And um, so if we look at the, you know, the, the parables, they're found in Luke 15. And um, you know, the first parable was the parable about the shepherd having 100 sheep. And when, when one became lost, you know, he left the 99 and went after the one. And after finding the one, he, he was excited. He rejoiced with his friends. And then it said that there was you know, more rejoicing in heaven for, uh, over the you know, one person who would repent over the, 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 the 99 that, are, that don't need repentance. And then in the next uh, parable, it's about the woman that lose, loses the coin. And, you know, she gets her lamp out. She sweeps. She's carefully looking for that coin until she finds it. When she finds it, she rejoices with her friends also. But then it goes on to say there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So both of those stories are talking about kind of things in the natural, but then it correlates it to how God feels about someone who repents. And... You know, whether it was a lost sheep or a lost coin, there was rejoicing in, uh, in heaven in comparison if, 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 as though that was um, a lost, a, a repentant person, someone who was lost and now they're found. You know, the two parables, they say, likewise, there's more joy in heaven over the one who repents. The last parable doesn't say that. It just talks about the celebration that the father had. And I had, I had to go and read it a couple times because I, I thought that. I had to go back and read it again. Yeah, yeah, and we'll read that in a minute. You know, the prodigal son was, at, you know, the story of the prodigal son is actually talking about the one who repents. So the first two stories are leading up to this one. 
And that's why we're going to take a closer look at it. And it's also interesting when you think about it that the value of what was lost, it, it increased. First it was one hundredth. The next story, it was one-tenth. The next story, it was one-half. I, I, I kind of think that's kind of... Because everyone was leading up to the most important story. And um, there is rejoicing in heaven. I think I, I think I forgot about that. You know, when you forget about things, it's, it's good for us to visualize some things. I mean, if we could visualize the saints and the angels up there dancing and rejoicing over someone who repents, wow, they did that for me. They loved me so much, they did that for me. So now we're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son. And I'm going to read it again because we're going to refer to it quite a bit. So in the parable of the the prodigal son, it is found in Luke 11 through um, 32. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted, wasted his possessions with particle living. And we talked about particle living, just wasteful, sinful, excessive living. So he ran out of money. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine, a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to, into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have, have, have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. The world doesn't give you anything. They're, they take. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough, to spare, bread enough and, and to spare? And I, I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. It's better to be a servant in the house of the Lord than to be a servant, you know, or even or, or to be wealthy outside of the, of, of the Lord. And as he arose and he came to his father, Oh, sorry. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell and kissed his neck. Kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father called his to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the field. And as he drew near the house, he heard the the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants and, and asked, 
what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has, uh, your brother has, law, has come and, be, and has become as, excuse me, he said, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fat calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your, your commandments at, and at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill a fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. That's a pretty good story, but if we dig a little bit deeper into it, what was happening at the time, you know, based on the Mosaic law, the the oldest son would inherit two-thirds of of the, the, the father's estate, the younger son would have gotten one-third. So when we read this passage, you might think, well, you know, what's the big deal? The younger son, you know, wanted his money now because we're relating it to how we live now. <laughs> and uh, in our current culture, it's easy to kind of think, what's so bad about that? It's disrespectful, yeah, you know, but, but uh, you know, kids ask for money all the time. However, during this time period... People held family honor in, the, in a high, higher esteem. Every son was expected to honor his father and carry his name uh, respectfully. The son was not merely seen as an individual. He was also an extension of his father's family. In a sense, the family honor rests on the son's shoulders. And, and, there's, and they have an obligation to continue that legacy in their family. Um, the, the, typically, the inheritance of the father would normally be distributed to the sons after his death. So in the parable, when the youngest son asked for his inheritance, he was kind of like saying, this money is more important than you, Dad. I wish you were dead. Think about it. Because that's the only way they got money back then. So he's like, money was more important to him than his family, his father, what people thought about him. You know, next, the son uh, further dishonored his, his, his father when he, he had to cash in his inheritance. You know, most of the inheritance was land and property. So for him to take the money with him, he had to cash it in. You know, the, this was unthinkable for the Jews and the legal the ones that were, ta- were, were, were there hearing this story. Um, it was very selfish. And even worse, you know, uh, more than being the rejection you know, for his father, he also rejected the entire family. He rejected his brother in this too. The son was, you know, a son is expected to use their inheritance to further the family. And, and such dishonor would have enraged the religious leaders at the time. They would have been a, it would have been a blatant violation of uh, the third commandment, which is found in Exodus 20, 
12. We know that one. It says, honor your family, your, your father, your mother, that your days may be long. Uh, you belong upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. So after the son receives his money, he goes to a foreign country. And he uses the money to live sinfully, wasteful, self-indulgent living. And when he runs out of money, he, had, he attempts to survive by working for a farmer. You know, the verse says he joined himself to him. Well, I want to point out something. This was a big blow because Jews did not eat pork. Pigs were declared unclean. The average Jew wanted nothing to do with pigs. So he joined himself to a pig farmer. And he was spending his time with swine. So at this point, the religious leaders, you know, they saw this guy as being one of the most defiled sinners out there. I think the only thing that we didn't hear, it doesn't say he murdered anybody. But he broke every commandment just about in, in, in dealing with the swine also. He destroyed his relationship with God, his people, and his family. And in, in their eyes, in the, the leaders, the legalist mind, uh, there was no hope for redemption for him. You know, the, another thing is that when the father saw him, he ran to him. He was far off. In that time, it was considered indignant or um, offensive for an older person to run. I don't know why, but it, they, you know, it's kind of uncouth for an older person to be running. But the father demonstrated no regard for the culture norm, which once again offended the, you know, the religious leaders. You know, the, the father received the son back with joy and celebration. The father kissed his son, gave him three significant items. The, you know, the best robe, which was only the best robe was given to, given to honored guests. It also represents covering his sin and shame. The ring symbolized authority. You know, sons were given, given authority in their father's house. So the ring signified that the son had been restored to his place in the family. The sandals uh, was significant because servants did not wear sandals. Only people of honor. It also represents a renewed purpose and meaning in life. It represents hope. There's so much more to that story. And we can't, we don't, sometimes you don't grasp the things because we don't understand the culture and the customs of the time. And when you picture that story, it's kind of like that's what he did with us when we got born again, wasn't it? You know, our sins are forgiven and covered by the blood. Uh, we've been given a place of authority in his family, in this new kingdom. We have a purpose to save the lost and expand the kingdom. We have hope. Those are things that are kind of almost new thoughts in, in that time period. You know, in, in addition to this, the father commanded that the fatted calf be killed, which was reserved for special occasions. So that's what happened with the prodigal son. But really the pivotal point in this story is the oldest son's reaction to his brother's return. Can you imagine? I mean, all of us, we want our siblings and family saved. All of us would be jumping up and down because they're saved, right? You know, but 
We weren't under that custom. We're not under that legalism that, 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 that they were under. The oldest son felt cheated. He lived in obedience to his father all of his life and never received any reward like this young man, like his younger son, you know, who messed up. See, it doesn't make sense. You honor the one that messed up. What about the guy who did everything right, right? You know, and the father, his reply was with tender words. You know, he didn't say, you bad son, you selfish son. He just said, son, you always, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and found. Now, we don't know if the, son, if the, if the older son ever came back and decided to, to, to rejoice. We don't know about that. But there's another thing that this parable reveals to us, is the loving father. Um. His mercy and his grace and his desire to have a relationship with us, if you really think about it, it can be overwhelming. And I think we should think about it. It's so easy to think about what, who we were 20 years ago and what God has done for us. It's good to remember what God has done for us. Not look back in a longing way, Look back because he ran and he kissed me. When I repented, he came to me and he covered me with his robe of forgiveness. He put a ring on my finger. I was not worried. I wasn't worthy. I hadn't done anything to be worthy yet. All I did was repent and ask for him to come into my heart. And boom. He didn't say, okay, Karen, you were pretty bad. And based on how bad you were, you're going to have to do this, 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 and this. And then I'll think of you. You're on probation. Until I think you can handle more. Until I think you're deserving of more. God doesn't do that to us. Now, we do that to our spouses and other people, you know, our kids. But he didn't do that to us. That's mercy. And I think sometimes because we're just solely, so freely forgiven for what we've done, we minimize it. I was a sinner. I was a nice sinner. I had manners. I respected my elders, but the bottom line is I was a sinner. I needed saving. And who knows what state I would be in today some 40 years later <laughs> or 45 years later. Who knows what state I'd be in had he not ran to me and covered me. Now, I wish I could say he covered me, then I was perfect after that. I wasn't. But what grace. It, it shows that both sons were actually lost. They both were lost. You know, the youngest was lost in sin. The oldest was lost in self-righteousness, self-works, which is sin. 
The youngest son represents someone who rejects Jesus. The oldest son represents the Pharisees and the scribe, scribes who also reject Jesus because they reject his, his, his example and his teaching. So in a sense, that son was rejecting his father because his father, I mean, if your son's throwing a party and he's celebrating, we should be celebrating with our father. Right? Not over, I'm not going to go. So much so that the father had to stop rejoicing to go see why the, why the son wasn't coming in and rejoicing. So a purpose of, the, of this parable is to rebuke legalism also. It doesn't matter how well someone obeys the law. If they do it from a self-righteous attitude, it's sin. Our love for the Lord should be what motivates us to be obedient. It's our love for the Lord that causes us. It's us seeing his great mercy. We've got a God that is so wonderful that we can trust this God. And, 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 and if we're obedient to him, it's just wisdom. <laughs> and yeah, if we mess up, he'll forgive us. But wow, we don't have to mess up. We don't have to. You know, Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders who taught the law. You know, he was aiming his words right at their dark hearts. And he was trying to get them to, to see the error in their ways. For them to see that they too needed a Savior. You know, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of work of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. You know, the religious leaders of the day were trusting a work-based religious system. And a lot of churches do that today. That's how you get things done. <laughs> you know, if you want to get your body of people to really act, you know, do a lot of work and stuff, <laughs> threaten them with their salvation. <laughs> you, you can scare them into doing, helping you. But does that bless God? If you, if, if you have people doing things just out of obligation or doing it so that, you know, everyone can see that I bought these six pews or I, what, what I did, then, then there's a great temptation to, to be prideful of what, you, what you've done. You know, like the older brother in the parable, they viewed themselves to be the worthy sons. However, unless we see ourselves as unworthy, we will not truly experience the grace of God. Now, that can be confusing. Wait a second. The Word says I'm worthy. <laughs> I shouldn't see myself as unworthy. Well, what, it, what it's really saying is, what a great gift. We are worthy because of him and what he has done. Period. I don't have to strive to get my father's love. I don't have to dance around and get approval from people to be worthy. Now, that doesn't mean I, I shouldn't obey. And it doesn't mean that I shouldn't try to bless God. But my, I am worthy because of what he did, not because of what I did. The law was not enough to save us. That's why we needed a Savior. If just obeying the Lord was enough, we wouldn't need this Savior, this wonderful Savior we have. And there's another thing to think about this too is 
Only the, the needy reach out for help. If you think you don't need help, you don't ask. You know, the world tells you asking for help is weakness. The word says asking for help is humility. The, the younger son knew he needed help. He was hungry. Praise God. And, but he knew this father of his was a graceful man because of the way, not only the way that he treated him as a son, but the way he treated his servants in his house. You know, Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have to realize at some point that we're poor. Because we won't, we won't, we won't, you know, we won't ask for more. I think sometimes we settle and we say, okay, I've, I've reached this level. This is good. Well, when you just settle for a while, then you're poor. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not, because God's standards keep going up. See, God's standards are for us to grow, not to stay at the bottom. And it's not, okay, I work myself to the top. That's not it. That's not either. You're not working yourself to the top. You're being obedient to the Lord so that the Lord can take you and put you where he needs you. And that's where the advancement comes from. You know, he is the chess player. We're the pieces. You know, when, when, when he picks us up and he wants us to go to this spot, you know, I want to be, I don't, I don't play chess, I want to be the knight. If we do that, God can't use us freely. And sometimes we may not see it, but God's put gifts in us for what he's called us to do. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean the gifts aren't there. That's why it's important to be in the Word, to be in the right place, so that those gifts in you can be nurtured. But there's another part, too. When it's time, the anointing falls. See, God is the one doing everything. We think, okay, it's time. It's time. Come on, let it fall. doesn't work. See, we're not the head. We're not the head. God is the head. You know, um, you, know, I sh- you know, let me get back to my notes here. Let me see here. So, you know, you know I used to read the parable, and I, and I basically just thought about the prodigal son. Because I could relate to the prodigal son. I once was lost, and then I was found. You know, I, I didn't really, really relate to the, the older son. You know, I guess, I think what I thought was, as I thought the older son was jealous because uh, the younger son was honored. And, of course, you know, the older son kind of has a right to be jealous because he's been doing right all of his life. You know, so I kind of had compassion and understanding for the the older son. Later, I discovered I relate too much with the older son. Got a little bit of knowledge. Had a little bit of success in the church, and boom. I thought I was all that, and then some. You know, and, and I would look at other people, and, you know, 
I took, like I said on Sunday, I look at them and say, well, of course, of course they're making mistakes. Well, of course God's not blessing them. Come on, look at them. Look what they're doing. You know, their kids are running all over the church. You know, I just, it, I could judge anything. I wasn't discriminated about that. And I didn't say things, but I thought it. Well, you think something long enough, it affects your heart. It darkens your heart. And without even knowing it, my heart got darkened. Now, people may not have seen it, because I hid it very well, you know, but it was there. And there were some people that agreed with me so we could share some of that stuff together, you know. Wasn't that special? Um, so as I said, you know, I, I relate to his behavior more than I wish I did. You know, there's times I took credit. I, want, I wanted credit for stuff. I'm, I'm just saying what I did. I wanted credit for what I did. I wanted to be noticed for what I did. Not always, but most of the time. I, um, I got jealous if, if someone else got promoted that I thought wasn't as deserving as I was. That's ugly. Now, I covered it up. I didn't, you know, I didn't go off and throw a temper tantrum. I would, I would, I'd have a smile and I'd say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm so glad you're, that you got that position. Yeah. They fail. I didn't say it like that. But, my, okay, I can't sugarcoat it. It was dark. It was dark. Um, I was too self-centered. It is so easy to get focused on yourself. Now, I've discovered living alone, it's real easy to get focused on yourself because nobody messes with me at home. And now that my dog died, <laughs> nobody messes with me, you know, and no one is, I'm going to have to clean up after anybody, you know. Um, so I can keep a cleaner house than someone who has kids and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, we have to be careful. But thankfully, I was able to repent. And sometimes some of that thinking still tries to creep itself up. But thankfully, I recognize it. I recognize it. Because you know what? I don't always think right. Because I still have a tendency to look at things from the world's perspective. Or look at things. I was successful in the business world. So look at things from the business. That's not how you run a you know, you know That's how a business operates. Whatever it might be. Uh, but I'm thankful that... I can be corrected. And if I've done anything to discourage anyone, I apologize. I, I shared with you that, you know, I'm, I'm still, because I said negative things about my mother-in-law, I'm still going back to those people. And the Lord just told me, you've done enough, Karen. They, it's up to them. But, you know, I, I wish I would not have... Um, fed something in them, negative. But you know what? I'm forgiven. And I don't want to do that again. But you'll catch yourself just in saying, little bitty things, this is what I think. Or this is what I don't like. You may not say it, but you think it. Who are we to judge what God is doing? See, he sees the whole, the, the, the chess game. <laughs> And he sees the one after that and the one after that. We don't, we don't see everything. You know, as I was studying this, I was thinking, you know, I want to emulate God's behavior, the Father's behavior. I've emulated the two sons long enough. 
So I need to focus on his behavior. Because the other way, it didn't produce, produce fruit. Now, I, and I've learned some things. As I have purposed to change my attitude, I've learned some things. As I've purposed to be more merciful and more loving, I have learned some things from the bad attitude. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God still uses me. He allows me to teach. He blesses me. And he never once said, Karen, I'm going to put you in time out until you, your attitude changes. I may have put myself in time out, but he didn't. I wasted time in time out. See, God doesn't do that. We need to be as forgiving as he is so that we make a mistake, we fall down, we get back up, and we get back in the game. I want to be in the game. Put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game. I want to be quarterback, but you know, <laughs> you know, but I'll do whatever. I'll do. I'll, I'll hike the ball. I'll hike the ball. You know, I'll do whatever. Our obedience protects us from ourselves and our own thoughts. Pure obedience. It protects us from the lies. You know, um, the older son thought because he stayed behind that he was faithful, that he earned the inheritance. Well, you know what? I have an, an inheritance, but I've done nothing to deserve it or to cause to be... I haven't earned it. I, I, my inheritance comes from God. It comes from what Jesus, Jesus earned it for me. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, you know, I, you would think, you know, I, I share with you, I analyze my heart all the time. Why well, I have to say that it needs analyzing because my motives aren't always pure. And I don't think I'm unique in that way. I think everyone is tempted because we're, you know, we're in the world and we do things, um, but we need to ask the Lord to show us. And the, 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 the big thing is, let's focus on what He has done. Let's focus on the Father's behavior. And, and not focus on what the world is doing. And not focus on our mistakes, but focus on what He is doing. Because, you know, the Word says that He will never leave us he will never forsake us. The word also says that you know, we're the ones that are supposed to be changing. See, God never changes. We're the ones that are supposed to be transformed into the image of Christ, right? So if we're supposed to be transformed into the image of Christ, we need to be seeing how Christ interacted, what Christ did for us, have great respect for it, but he is telling us we should do greater things than he. So we, can, we get confused with humility. I'm going to share something. And I, it's not in my notes. I may not get to the rest of my story. But our pastor was a wonderful man. Wonderful man. His grace and his mercy he had for people, 
I had never seen that in any other man. Well, um, Andrew Womack, but I saw it first, you know, first, you know, I saw it with the pastor. There was about three years where I'd come every morning and I'd pray with him. And I got to learn a lot about him. And I got to learn about how he met his wife (laughs) and the love he had for her and the respect he had for her and how he got excited when she taught. And he saw so much in her. And he just shined when he would talk about her. And when the Lord put it on her heart to lead our church, my spirit rejoiced. Because, you know, I could just see Pastor Goodluck smiling and so excited because he trusts this woman. And if this, if God trusts this woman, if, if Goodluck, <laughs> Pastor Goodluck trusts this woman, we can trust her. But there's another thing, too. The anointing has fallen on her. Uh, you remember when, uh, when Osteen, John Osteen passed away? Uh, Joel had no desire to teach. He taught like that one, one sermon when his dad was having dialysis. And when his father died, that's when he felt the anointing. And with the anointing comes the authority and the power and the wit. All of that comes with that. But secondly, um, I, I, I see it like the pastor good luck passed you the baton and it is it's respect to the pastor that the church should grow because when he passed the baton the anointing went but also he'd already run so you're you're picking up in the race further along than the pastor did i don't know i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not spelling this out much but I'm just so excited to be here to watch what's happening and to be able to cheer what's going, you know, the growth that's going to take place because God is the chess player. He has put Pastor Angela in this position for this specific time. She is prepared for it, but also he has given her the wisdom and the authority and the knowledge to take it further. So if you're not excited about it, which everyone I hear is excited about it, you should be. And it's not disrespecting our Pastor Goodluck. It's honoring him because you know, you know he'd want you to do this. (laughs) We all know that. So praise God. I'm sorry I got sidetracked there, but I'm just so excited about our future of what we're going to do, what we're going to see. So... We need to focus on what the Lord, the Spirit, is telling us. And we need to be willing to be led. And it may not look like, it may not feel like what we've had in the past. Things change. Change is good. Change is good. Growth comes. You know, when you prune a a rose <laughs> a, a plant, you know, it comes back even fuller. I'm sure, you know, the plant goes into shock a little bit, and it's okay. It's okay. 
You know, one of the things when you look about the particle sun, well, look, look about the, uh, um, the eldest sun, is it's very easy to get discouraged in your walk. Because sometimes things don't look the way we expect them. You know, this is not... It's funny, I remember one day I said, I did not think I'd be a widow at this stage in my life. And the Holy Spirit just corrected me and reminded me that when I was in Bible college, he said to me, I am your husband. I'm a good and faithful husband. And he told me to read the scriptures like they were love letters from him. And it strengthened me. Now, God is so good that he knew what was going to happen. He was preparing me and putting things in me so that when something happened, yeah, it shook me. Yeah, it shook me. And, you know, and I get that thought of this isn't what I wanted, you know, or, you know, uh, who wants to be living alone? You know, this is the golden, you know, all, all that stupid stuff you think. But God has a plan for me. It may not look like what I thought it was going to look like. St- still have the plan. I can choose to get on board with God's plan and move forward in his plan and grow. Or I could just sit there, well, this wasn't what I wanted. You know? You know, you have stupid thoughts. I don't have to have those stupid thoughts. You know, you know Eve in the garden had everything. And the enemy was still able to convince her that God was holding out. So we need to think of it this way. If we ever get a thought that things aren't fair, that uh, I'm not being seen, or uh, I've been praying for my kids to be saved for, tw- you know, how, how many, whatever, whatever thought you have, those thoughts are trying to you, trying to take your focus off your inheritance and the promises. And we don't want to be like Eve and be deceived into thinking God's holding out on us. Because God doesn't hold out on us. The world does. The world system does. And I'm thankful that I can say I am stronger today than I was, you know, two years ago, three years ago, even further back than that. In Bible college, I thought I was strong. (laughs) You know, I don't like to listen to myself teach. You know, I, have, I have some recordings of myself teaching. I don't like to listen to myself teach because when I teach, I know what I was thinking at the time. I was thinking I was all that in a bag of chips. You know, I'd act real humble. I'd always, I, I could act humble, but you know what? I'd rather be humble. You know? So, so what? I messed my makeup crying. Big deal. If I'm more concerned about that, there's something wrong with me. I want to be used by God, and it might be uncomfortable. That's okay. That's okay. But if I'm thinking about my comfort level, I'm not thinking about him. So the enemy wants us to focus on what is happening to me personally. And I love the fact 
that I don't have to think that way. It's tiring to think that way. You know, it's, when you think that way, you can get offended very easily. But when you're, when you're focused on Jesus, there's sometimes, I don't even know what some, people will come up and apologize to me, and I'm like, what'd you do? <laughs> they didn't do anything. What they did, you know, it's not because they pushed me down or something like that. You know, they're just, you know, maybe they ignored me, maybe they whatever, cut me off, whatever it might be. You know, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm, I'm growing a little bit, you know. I still catch some things, but praise God, I'm expecting to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm expecting to walk in God's blessings. I'm expecting this church to grow. And we're going to, you know, God's been talking about this church growing for a while. See, in our thinking, we think, well, it's taken so long. <laughs> but God knows where all the pieces are. And he is the one that's in control. And one little thing can change the whole thing. Something is simple. Like the particle son, what did he do? He got to the end of himself. I don't want to get that, do that again. But all he did is he repented. And repenting just means you turn away from what you were doing. You turn away. And what do you turn to? You turn towards the Lord. So expect to have course adjustments. And yes, you know, I shared with you guys, you know, right after Mark passed away, I, he told me, because when you go through something like that, it just, it just takes everything out of you. And you, you lose yourself, in a sense, because all of your efforts are going to... Because I'm joined to this man. I was joined to this man. So part, half of my body was dying. Half of my body. So I was, unknown to me, I was the strength, in a sense. And so when, you know, when I had to learn to walk again, because when that leg got cut off, <laughs> you know, I, had, I didn't know who I was. I had to learn who I was in Christ again. I thought I knew who I was, and I thought I knew who I was while I was going through the process, but then when that was gone, I didn't know. And the Lord told me he was going to renew my youth, and I needed youth to be renewed because I was worn out. Okay? That was how many years ago? 2016. And I would try to make it happen on my own. But then when I relaxed about it, he is renewing my youth. I have more strength. I have more stamina. um, And I don't know how to describe it. Yes, I'm eating healthier, but you know what? Sometimes I I slip. You know, sometimes it was so funny. I had a week of not exercising. And my neighbor said, oh, you still exercising? (laughs) And I said, yes. And I went and exercised that day. So I wouldn't be lying. You know, that's okay. We can cut ourselves some slack if we, if see, if we could cut ourselves. You know, I'm not saying sin. I'm saying don't let the sin hold you down. We need to, you know, we need to wipe that. Don't let the rejection. Don't let the unanswered prayers. Don't let the tragedy, whatever it might be. Because you know what? 
I have a husband. And I'll probably get a natural husband. But my husband, I have the best husband there is. That's Jesus Christ. Okay? Praise God. No one gets on my nerves at home. <laughs> now, I may not be growing that much because no one's, you know. <laughs> but but this, is a time, this is a time in my life where I should be getting as much out of the Word as I can and focusing a little bit more on myself, you know. But, but I'm just saying, when I say focus on myself, focus on myself being transformed into the image of what He wants me to be and letting go of what I thought I was supposed to be. Because what he has for me is better than anything that I can come up on my own. Because that's the kind of God that I serve. And that's the kind of God that you serve. So we'll close it with um, the Beatitudes. Because those are good. Well, all the word is good. but, But this one got me thinking. And it's in Matthew 5 starting with the first verse. And it says, And seeing the multitude, this is Jesus, seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught these, them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. See, if, you never know, if you've never experienced lack, you won't experience abundance. You won't respect it. The, uh, for, the, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they comforted. You know, I've shared, I've received some great comfort because I was mourning, you know, a, a, a more than just a loss of a spouse. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the righteousness we're searching for is not our own righteousness. It's his righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecute or persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So basically, we're blessed in every situation that we can come through in life. If we remember that, we'll re- that will help us remember to rejoice with the angels in heaven. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us and you've prepared a way for us. I thank you, Lord, for the calling that you've placed on each individual in this body. And I pray that they'll do it unto you. And I thank you for the growth and the rise expectations and hope that we have in you. In the name of Jesus, amen.